Welcome to the Knit British Podcast. On this journey, exploring connections of localness in wool and knitting from sheep to skein, I am your host, Louise Scully. Hello and welcome to episode 113 of the Knit British podcast. It's lovely to have you around for the first podcast of 2019. A very warm welcome to returning listeners and a big hi and hello and welcome to those of you who are joining us for the first time. Uh, As it is the first podcast of 2019, I feel like we need to start as we mean to go on. Listeners, looking back on my notes um, for this episode, which I always sort of jot down, um, sort of in the weeks running up to that to that episode being written and recorded, I had written down. I had quotes looking back written down, and I had quotes one hundred episodes thanks written down and I had um, quotes fifth podversary written down which incidentally we mark this month Um, and however there's something that's far more important to start this episode with you cannot have ignored the conversations which have been happening on social media over the past few weeks on racism and inclusivity in the crafty world. Um, if you don't do social media or if you really have you know, no clue what I'm talking about, then perhaps the best place to check first is the Needlework News and Events Group in Ravelry. Uh, In there, there's a thread called uh, Racism and Inclusivity in the Yarn Community. Uh, There is background to how this conversation started and links to important posts on Instagram. Um, I will put links to that group and um, some of these posts in the show notes. I would ask you, if you haven't already to visit that thread to read the discussion and visit instagram and read absorb and follow the stories of the color mustard sucrita ocean by the sea a stitch to wear also Gigi made it creative sessi hey brown berry nadi rantani uh there are so many more voices but i know you're not all listening with a pen and paper um so these great accounts and their highlighted stories are an important place to start i will put links in the show notes too um but there are lots of links in the post in that thread that i mentioned in ravelry Why am I asking you to actively read, absorb and follow? Because we need to hear the brutal, honest, uncomfortable realities that are being faced by black, indigenous people of colour in our community. 
we talk all the time about how this community is so supportive and safe and we actually uh, you know let's rephrase that I say that all the time but I am wrong you know we are wrong the knitting community is not so supportive it's failing to support knitters of colour and we can do better we can all do better you know I am struggling to find eloquent uh, no because that's not the right word um, I'm struggling to find words sufficient to apologise for my white privilege and the harm that I've caused to any person of colour and in particular to listeners of this show and members of our knitting community. But our knitting community, you know, it it has dismissed, disregarded, neglected and discriminated against knitters and crafters who are BIPOC. And while there are lots of issues in our knitting community, this is the conversation that matters now. This is what we need to uh, to rip out and to re-knit. This is what we all can do and we all need to do to undo the whitewashing in the knitting community. And I think starting with listening and reading the conversations, starting with owning up, to being part of the problem is what we have to do. And I am sorry, I have been part of the problem, but I will do what I can to be part of the solution. And, you know, we can all start, we can all start by having a look at um, who we follow on social media. And when I say we, I'm using we a lot. What I mean by we is white people um, here. We white people, I was mortified at how my social media is um, non-diverse. And if you're sitting at home and you're saying, I don't agree with you, Louise, I'm not part of the problem, I'm not racist, I'm not biased, you know, perhaps do that little exercise and look at your following on social media as well. And, And if you still think that there isn't a problem or that as a white person you're not to blame, you know, just perhaps sit for a moment and try and think why why you think that. Dear listeners of Knit British Podcast, like I said, I am actively listening. I am looking inside myself too. Um, if you have ever felt that this podcast is not a safe space, I am so sorry if you have ever felt that I am not speaking to or including you I am so sorry I want to do better to support all my listeners all yarnies of colour I want to make this your trusted space our trusted space and so instead of looking back like I planned at the beginning of this episode um, a few weeks ago 
my mind is now turning towards what I can do with this podcast to move forward and be more supportive and be more inclusive. You know, that there isn't even a sufficient way to put a, 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 a full stop here, you know, at the end of this section to sum up the conversation or the impact or, you know, let's just do better. We can all do better to try and dismantle this harm-causing structure in our knitting community and make it more diverse and an inclusive safe space. Links and stories that I have sort of alluded to and mentioned there are in the show notes at www.knitbritish.net and you'll see the um, post there for this episode and uh, and thanks so much to every one of those knitters of colour crafters BIPOC Instagrammers just you know for uh, tirelessly posting and reposting and sharing stories um, you know thank you posted uh, on the blog about doing a make-along in the run-up to the Edinburgh Yarn Festival. You will remember in years previously there have been podcasts which have been associated with the sponsor of the podcast lounge. Obviously you will have heard if you listen to this podcast that I am no longer doing the podcast lounge but I still am keen to do a cal and uh, instead of having just one vendor uh, for the cal, I thought we could be a bit more open and have uh, more any vendor from EYF. But the only rule is that uh, you must use 100% wool. And that is in a bit of response, I guess, to um, a lot of things. But right here at Knit British, um, you know that um, wool is really important to me, as is using the correct terminology when it comes to wool. Wool comes from sheep. All wool can be yarn, but not all yarn is wool. Um, so, yeah, so I wanted to put the emphasis on wool and celebrate the sheep and also celebrate all of the wool vendors at Edinburgh Yarn Fest. So uh, we cast on on the 26th of January, uh, which was Saturday, and you can still join in. We knit, crochet, weave, even sew. Uh, right up until March the 17th. You can use any design you wish, but again, the only rules are that it must be yarn from an Edinburgh Yarn Fest vendor and it must be 100% wool and the cat is going to jump up on the sofa and knock over my mic setup. Wait for it. It'll all go clatter in a minute. Uh, So, I am knitting with... um, (laughs) You're going to get caught up in the wires, you silly cat. 
I am knitting with Jameson and Smith Heritage uh, Natural yarn, which is the worsted spun naturals, and I am um, knitting the Hansel Hap. And um, there are quite a few people already taking part who have either bought yarn or are using stash from yarn that they previously bought either from the vendors at earlier Edinburgh Yarn Festivals or at other yarn festivals or online. What have we got here if I pop into the to the thread so far? We've got For the Knit of It who is making the Epistrophied Hat um, by Kate Davies in Buchel Yarn. It looks like it's the McCallum sort of raspberry colour and the natural colour which is just beautiful. Uh, Hecky Thump, Helen, she is making a Vatsland sweater by Ella Gordon and she is using, oh she's using various yarns that she's purchased from Embry Yarn Fest vendors, Daughter of a Shepherd Hebridean double knit, Iona Wool double knit, uh, Baram U Dovestone DK, sadly Baram U Dovestone has been discontinued so that's going to be special. Uh, Wee Joe is going to knit uh, a Taradale uh, which is a, a one of the uh, Millerocky Heads, another Kate Davies pattern book but this time the pattern is by Emily K Williams it's a colourwork hat and she's going to be using some English gentleman yarns from Countessa Blaze who's also vending at Edinburgh Yarn Festival very excitingly uh, Tweed LD is going to be knitting the Solbean cardigan uh, in Let Lopi which she bought from Be Inspired Fibres um, oh, Jeremy you've knocked my microphone over of course, some of the vendors at Enbury Yarn Festival have much bigger ranges. They're not just selling hand-dyed or their own spun yarns. Uh, Meg, aka Mrs M, she was contemplating making one of Andy Satterland's uh, cardigans in Ewist Wool's double knit woolen spun. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot going on in in that thread. Um, you may use a little wool by non EYF vendors if. Um, you need to but please understand that um, you won't be eligible for a random draw prize at the end um, of the cal. I will open a, a finished objects thread so that you can post your pictures of your finished objects in there by uh, midnight on the 17th of March. Please only post in there if you're using 100% um, wool yarns which has been bought um, from Edinburgh Yarn Fest vendors. And uh, and yeah, as I say you you I'm all about you know the taking part. So if you want to take part, but you you know you you have to add yarn into your project that wasn't at EYF, you can still take part in the cal. You just aren't eligible for a prize. Um, as I say, you know when we did this cal before, it was a bit limiting because it was just one vendor. But there are you know over seventy vendors at Edinburgh Yarn Festival, and in addition to of course the vendors who will be at the main event there are also the vendors who are going to be at the Sunday event because the Sunday event at Edinburgh Yarn Festival is back last year it was called Meet the Shepherdess this year it's called Make Wool and there are some fabulous vendors there some of whom were there last year um, but many uh, will be new to you and uh, not just yarnies but um, there's going to be some cloth there's going to be I think there there was um, pottery as well, I think I read. So um, do check out the vendor list for that. If you were at the event last year and you bought yarn from um, 
Croft 29, Black L Yarns, Berlin Yarns, Lifelong Yarns, Hawkshaw Sheep, uh, those kind of vendors, they're all coming back. Um, I, I'm going to do a post um, for the blog of just some of my top picks of, of wool vendors. But you guys, you know, you, you can do the work. Go over to www.edinyarnfest.com. Have a look at the exhibitor list. Check and see if you've got yarn from any of those uh, exhibitors in your stash. And cast something on uh, in 100% wool for this cow. Um, I've called it a make-along, 100% wool, because you can really make anything you want. Some of the vendors do have wool fabric. Um, so, yeah, you're not restricted to any kind of craft. You're not restricted to any kind of pattern. Just get going. Just cast something on and make along with us towards Edinburgh Yarn Fest. So, Edinburgh Yarn Festival, 20th to the 24th of March. All advanced uh, tickets are sold out for admission. That does not mean that all tickets are sold out. It just means that the online tickets have sold out. You can turn up and queue from 1pm on Thursday the 21st of March and from 11am on Friday the 22nd of March and Saturday the 23rd of March. There is an event on the Sunday but the Sunday access is by advance ticket only. There will be no tickets on sale on the door on Sunday the 24th of March. Over half of the visitors to EYF last year did not have an advance ticket and still they got in. They just had to be a bit, bit patient but they did not get turned away. They got in. It's busy. You know, there are, there are a lot of knitters who want to get in. And so it's just, you know, there's also building regulations and things like that as well. So um, we kind of have to be a little bit mindful of these things. I'm so excited for Edinburgh Yarn Fest 2019. As I said uh, in the last episode of the podcast, I'm not doing the podcast lounge, but I am still going. I'm still involved. I'm going to take a class this year. I'm, I'm doing... Um, spinning for improvers with Elizabeth Johnson and I'm just really looking forward to having more time to spend in the marketplace and more time to schmooze about with with um the wonderful nitty nitty people I'm really looking forward to it I'm sure you're all raring to go it's really really going to be a fantastic event again and you know sad to see that there still is a lot of bitching about not getting advance tickets and a bit of moaning about you know not getting tickets for the Kaylee and for the knit night every year demand exceeds supply you know again I always have to repeat it you know Joe and Mika have added 500 extra seats um, with the addition of the marquee the current exchange isn't ever going to get any bigger they're not going to build another story on it the festival is as big as it's going to be it's going to hold the same amount of people so you know I, I, in, in some ways I'm surprised that you know people who are moaning aren't reading the information that's on the website Joe and Nika are always so clear with um, what you should expect and it clear when it comes to expectations about tickets and things that tickets will sell out quickly demand exceeds supply 
so yeah, again, it's it's such a shame that that some people want to dwell on the negative. Queue up. Sometimes you're gonna have to stand in a queue for a little while. But you know what? We're knitters. We have wool. We can wait in line for a little while and be warm. Be warm by the excitement and the enthusiasm um, of all those other yarn festival goers. I can't wait to be there. I can't wait to see you. Um, and yeah, it's gonna be. It's gonna be probably. I say it every year. I think it's gonna be the best one yet. So our Shetland wool exploration. I'm going to do this uh, in two bits because um, it always takes me a while. I always sort of record the um, review side of things separately um, just because there's a lot of talking to get through. So let's have a little look at a bit of the background of Shetland wool. I'm going to try not to veer into history of Shetland knitwear um, today. Uh, but of course, a lot of the what I'm going to be talking about today will be um, Shetland focused. Uh, but we do need to remember that Shetland wool isn't just from Shetland. Of course, I am a little bit biased when, when it comes to that. But, but Shetland wool, of course, does originate in the Shetland Islands. And, you know, while we're here, let's get the terminology correct. The place is the Shetland Islands. The Shetland Isles or Shetland. The term, quotes, the Shetlands is incorrect. Please don't ever use, quotes, the Shetlands to describe the place because it makes Shetlanders cry. Shetlands are sheep. Shetlands are ponies. Shetlands are not the place. Okay? Don't make me cry. <laughs> The roots of the Shetland sheep are kind of non-conclusive. Um, they are referred to as primitive and they're also referred to as part of the Northern European short-tailed breed group. Uh, the Fleece and Fibre sourcebook say that Shetland sheep shared uh, some genetics with the Roman breeds that travelled north but also have Scandinavian influence too. Uh, it is known that... There was evidence of sheep in Shetland from 2400 BC and belief that sheep and fleece were similar to the soy sheep, which more closely resemble the Neolithic sheep. The Shetland sheep ability to shed their fleece is also thanks to this heritage. Uh, during the Scandinavian settlement of Shetland, livestock were integrated with, quotes, native breed, uh, and that Scandinavian breed was most likely uh, now what is called the Vilsai type, which brought natural colouring and patterning to the sheep. Um, I don't believe any DNA testing has been done to sort of pin down the genetic roots of Shetland sheep, but there um, is some great reading in the Fleece and Fibre source book and also in the book uh, Shetland Textiles by Sarah Lawrenson. Uh, on the subject of background of the breed. The Shetland Flock Book was formed in 1927 and this is their standard. This is, um, I'm going to read from the website, www.shetland-sheep.org. 
www.shetlandsheep.co.uk is the website of the Shetland Sheep Society. Uh, this is from their 1927 breed standard. Uh, general character and appearance, horned or hornless. Head, a good width between the ears, tapering rapidly to the base of the nose, which should be broad, with a little taper to the muzzle. Hollow between the cheeks and the nose well marked. The face should be of medium length from eyes to muzzle. Nose prominent but not Roman. Small mouth. Immediately I'm thinking of that small smiley Shetland sheep mouth. Eyes, full, bright and active look. Ears, fine, medium size, set well back, carried slightly above the horizontal. Neck, full, tapers into a fairly broad chest. Shoulders, well set, top level with back. Chest, medium width and deep. Back, level with as much width as possible. Ribs, well sprung and well ribbed up. Rump, good width and well turned rounded hips. Tail, fluke tail, that is indicative of the Northern European short tail breed. Uh, wool at root forming the broad rounded part and tapering suddenly to a barely covered fine point. This is a strong character and any crossing is easily made out by it. The length varies according to the size of the sheep, rarely extends six inches or six inches or thereby. Legs of mutton, light but very fine in quality. Skin varies according to the colour of the wool. Wool, extra fine and soft texture, longish, wavy and well closed. Wool on forehead and paw, tapering back into the neck. Likewise, wool on cheeks. Colours, white, black or brown. Murit, greys. Other known colours, murkface, catmogat. Burret and Blagit, Fleckit and Sholmet. I'll come to those in a moment. Carriage, alert and nimble with a smart, active gait. Disqualification points for this standard is a long, heavy tail, broad to the point. Bad wool, coarse and open. Very coarse wool on the breeches. Deformities of the jaws. Undersized animals. Defective coloured or badly shaped animals as sires. White hairs in murit and black, dark hairs in white. Um, so that um, was the 1927 breed standard by the Shetland Flock Book. And it's still um, upheld today as the standard. Uh, in 1977, the Rare Breed Survival Trust actually classified the breed as endangered. But by the mid-80s, with the population of the breed on the UK mainland... That was reclassified and by the early 2000s it was removed completely from the sheep watch list of the Rare Breed Survival Trust. There is a Shetland Sheep Breeders Group, um, like I mentioned there. Um, it has a society for breeders outside of the Shetland Islands as well and that was set up in 1985. Um, they also helped set up the North American Shetland Sheep Breeders Association in 1991. Both societies use that flock book standard of 1927. Of course, historically, fine wool growing uh, took a backseat to creating a good meat carcass. Uh, Shetland lamb and mutton, biased as I rightly am, is the most delicious of all. Um, there has been more emphasis on the fine wool side of things in modern times. There was a mention of colours there. There are... 11 different Shetland colours of fleece. 11? 11! 
Murit Fawn Meogit Musket White uh, Light Grey Emskit Shela Grey Shetland Black Dark Brown Did I say it? Is that all 11? Uh, it's very hard to describe these well um, but the Shetland words I will try to describe Murit we've spoken about before um, on the podcast um, it browns from from light brown to reddish brown with blondish yellowish tips Miogit is a very light brown, a fawn murit in a way, I guess, uh, as it has the lightest brown to whiter tips. Musket is a light brown grey. Emskit is a fawn grey, sort of dusky blue. Uh, and Shela is a dark steely grey. And there are further Shetland names for fleece and facial markings. Uh, and these aren't mutually exclusive to particular colours. And in fact, sheep can be described as more than one. So again, I won't name them all. Um, I'll try and put them in the show notes. But example, you could have a Shela, bless it, is it, sheep, which is a dark steely grey fleece sheep, um, which has lots of white fibres in the fleece. So that has a, a, a sort of a bluish appearance. That's the is it part. And bless it um, is meaning a dark face with a white stripe um, from the forehead down the nose. And you can actually have that reversed as well. Um, again, there are lots of them. I'm not going to try and describe them all, but I will put up something in the show notes. The words are Old Norse or Norwegian um, or Old Shetland in origin mostly and Jakob Jakobsen who collected widely in Shetland and Orkney, created um, a dictionary of Norn. Uh, and, and apparently he discovered that there were at least 50 different uh, words being used at one point for cheap colours and markings, which is amazing because can you think of that in any other sheep breed uh, when it comes to colours and markings? I'm not so sure. Uh, very interesting, really. Shetland wool... Um, like all Northern European short-tailed breeds, can have one or more fibre in the fleece. Mostly are a variety of coarse and fine fibres, but some sheep can can be described as being dual-coated, um, which is definitely a characteristic in its older ancestors, but it's thought that few are truly double-coated um, in the Shetland breed nowadays. Shetland sheep were seen at one point as being two distinct breeds. John Sheriff, writing in the 1790s, uh, referred to one as the kindly wool sheep, which had a very fine fleece, and a sheep which produced a coarser wool, um, but that had um, ranging fineness too. I've also heard of uh, a, an older Shetland sheep which was likened to having a, a beaver fleece. Um, so I'm, I'm, I don't know if that's the same uh, one as, as Sheriff mentioned, the, the one with the coarser wool. In the breed today, generally the superfine wool is at the neck and shoulder and coarse hairs in the fleece extend down towards the back hips uh, and breeches. Uh, fleece is often hand-skirted um, to get the best of, of all of the grades for uh, crimp uh, and quality and fineness and often at hand-sorting stage the coarser hairs are sorted out. Uh, Shetland fleece has heterotype fibres and I'm pretty sure we've spoken about 
medulated fibres before, but, but if we haven't, um, wool fibres are made up of, of two different follicles, follicle groups. There are the primary follicles, which have um, true wool fibre, medulated fibre and kemp, and the secondary follicle group, which is just the true wool fine fibre. Um, any sheep can have the two hair follicle groups, but not necessarily all of the hair types. So I'm not explaining this well at all, I don't think. Um, heterotype medulated hair um, changes in thickness as it grows. So it can be coarse in the spring and summer growth. Um, and then in the winter, the fibre can grow very narrow in diameter. Um, and that, that narrower, finer fibre uh, can be as low as 25 microns. And the coarser parts of that fibre of that hair can be very high in the micron count. So presence of more heterotype fibres in a fleece would perhaps be another reason why you sometimes hear people say that Shetland wool is very variable, while some people will say it's very soft and other people say they can't wear it or they can knit with one kind of Shetland wool but not another. That's possibly one of the reasons why. But again, key term people, breed wool is not homogenous. In Shetland sheep, there can also be more of those true wool fibres, um, which are also often termed as under wool, and that lends itself to this double-coated thing. Again, th you, as you read about this, a lot of people say that there are no true double-coated Shetland sheep fleeces anymore. And that fine true wool in those secondary follicles can be as low as 15 microns. Fleece weights are varied, but uh, can be from less than a kilogram to two and a half kilograms. Uh, staple length varies too. Um, two to four inches seems to be standard, but apparently North American Shetland sheep have longer staples. Uh, Carla Christensen's great essay, Shetland Sheep and Wool, in the Shetland Textiles book by Sarah Lawrenson, compares Shetland wool to Soe and Vilsau, those two sheep breeds that um, are both Northern European short-tailed breeds, but can be said to have both influenced the um, post-medieval Shetland sheep. Locks are essentially triangular and the fibres have an extraordinary crimp. Um, given that we're talking about how different the fibres can be, um, how different the fleeces can be, fleece and fibre source book average out microns at about 20 to 30 microns. Uh, in terms of, of yarn, you will see Shetland yarns available as both woolen and worsted spun, but more often woolen spun commercially, I think. Uh, uh, but worsted spun is pretty special, I think. You know, hand spinning uh, might have been more commonly worsted spun. Fine lace Shetland shawls were um, historically made from worsted spun yarn and used the finest wool from the neck of the sheep. In 1856, Eliza Edmondson wrote of worsted spinning, the finest wool is not carded but combed and teased with the fingers. It is mixed with grease or a little fine oil and a few persons who are very expert can spin from two ounces of raw wool 
6,000 yards of three-ply. Yeah, 6,000, wow. Uh, obviously, woolen spinning makes a loftier air-trapped wool and um, as opposed to the drapier slenderer, slenderer, more slender worsted. And woolen spun, of course, perfect for fair isle and stranded knitting. Uh, and again, it's incredible how different spinning preparations make different yarns and fabrics from the same breed. And I love, you know, one of the, my favourite things is showing people my Crofty's hats. Um, one is woolen spun and one uses worsted spun, both from Jameson and Smith. And the... Um, the jumper weight one is just so squishy and could probably stand up on its own. And the worsted spun heritage yarn fabric is so drapey and it's softer to the touch, uh, perhaps I marginally, and it's beautifully textured. And people often don't believe that it is the same wool. I will link to a couple of posts from... Jameson and Smith's blog about woolen spun and worsted spun yarns. Being adaptable fleece for either spin for either spinning preparation, Shetland wool is very well suited to almost all items, uh, different techniques and structures and stitches from any weight of yarn from cobweb to chunky. We're going to look at our wool expo exploration shortly, but I wanted to make a note regarding Shetland type wools in this podcast and also using the term Shetland and terms related to Shetland in wool and knitting. Some mills create a yarn which they label a Shetland but which has no Shetland wool in it. Uh, Shetland type wools were created as yarns for colour work and I guess more commonly ready to wear knitwear um, they are spun to resemble a woolen spun Shetland wool, but they are usually made of Australian or New Zealand wool. And very rarely do labels state that the wool isn't from Shetland or isn't Shetland breed wool. So people are under misapprehension about what, what this wool is. And again, I'll link to another blog from Jameson Smith on the subject. There are a few yarns out there that are called Shetland uh, but aren't Shetland. JC Rennies create a yarn called Unique Shetland. It is unique in that there is no or very little Shetland wool in it. I know because I ask. I mean mostly it's often yarn on cones from machine knitting that um, Shetland type wool uh, is is can be found but it can be found in hand knitting yarns as well uh, Knolls K-N-O-L-L-S they create a Shetland type wool which is 55% New Zealand wool 45% South American and that's just wool from New Zealand or South America there's not no breed specific in there Gardeners uh, they also create a, a Shetland type wool again it's mainly large mills who are creating machine knitting wool so if you are a machine knitter, it's definitely an issue to look out for. Um, also, 100% acrylic yarns can be given names related to Shetland. And sometimes the yarn is spun to a Shetland type. Other times they're just using the name Shetland, capitalising on a style of knitting or a style of wool, which is 
native to Shetland or, or uh, Shetland traditions. Um, the current trading standards uh, description of the usage of the word Shetland in wool is as follows, quote, a yarn spun on the woolen system of 100% virgin wool, such yarn being capable of imparting to a fabric the qualities of crispness and or smoothness and soft handling attributed to the products firmly made exclusively from the Shetland breed of sheep. I have taken that description from uh, Jimison and Smith's blog. I contacted trade uh, trade descriptions about where I could find the you know source of that um, if I could point to that description anywhere, and they told me that they can't give that information. I can only get that information by asking Citizens Advice Bureau. So I contacted the Citizens Advice Bureau and they told me that they cannot give out trade descriptions of anything and I need to contact suppliers. So uh, that's why I'm taking that description from Jimson and Smith as they are the supplier of Shetland Wool. Um, but, you know, I want to find out how I can get that description um, from trading standards and actually how that description can be challenged how we as knitters and buyers of real Shetland wool can challenge that because it's utter appropriation of real Shetland breed wool it muddies the waters uh, with um, relation to clear labeling and knowing what's in our yarn it's it's really not acceptable um, to be uh, a sufficient description of wool which is not Shetland wool it's it, you know like let's read it again shall we such yarn of being capable of imparting to a fabric the qualities of crispness and or smoothness uh, and soft handling attributed to products firmly made exclusively from the Shetland breed of sheep if there were no Shetland breed of sheep left if they became extinct then pretty much I could cope with that being a description. But, you know, it basically means that the word Shetland can be applied to um, a particular look of yarn or fabric. And that is really not on. If you're surprised by that, you know, if you've not heard of that before, if you've been fooled by Shetland type wool in the past, if you just think that that's wrong, then challenge it. Um, we might not be able to get the uh, in contact, well, I might not be able to get in contact with trading standards about this, but we can challenge it with the yarn manufacturer. It's not simply as a Shetlander that I say this, although, of course, it you know it pisses me off because of that too, but it pisses me off because it's, it's claiming to be something that it isn't. And Shetland rule deserves more than that, and Shetland sheep deserve more than that. Um, items and terms related to Shetland wool and knitting have been appropriated and overused and romanticised for years and it is capitalising on distinct traditions, knitting terminology uh, and fleece and wool of Shetland. And most recently, Brooklyn Tweed did this when they decided to use the word piri, a Shetland word for small, uh, and also a word used for um, small farewell pattern details. They decided to use it for their new yarn, which is 100% merino wool worsted spun. It's not claiming to be a Shetland wool, which is, you know, fine. And if it was, 
if it was Shetland wool from America, I might not have so much of a problem with it. But it appropriates Shetland, Shetland's history, Shetland's knitting traditions, and Shetland dialect. You know, someone, you know, and someone confided to me, um, oh, but that was a mistake. They didn't know that it would be a problem. Pardon me, but the problem is not doing a modicum of homework and thinking about what using that word would mean. Uh, I'm straying into another arena here, which is appropriation and romanticisation of Shetland knitwear. Um, but where wool is concerned, uh, the Shetland type wool, getting back on track, is, you know, it's just a millstone. You know, it ought to be corrected. Um, but some people are working to change that. Uh, Isha P. Yarn in France used to describe their yarn as, uh, or one of their yarns as Shetland, but from 100% French wool. Uh, this has now been renamed to Original. Uh, so that's great. It can be done, it can be ch challenged, and it can be changed. Shetland wool from Shetland um, doesn't have protected status like champagne from champagne and strong away black pudding and things like that. Um, the organic Shetland wool, and I think also meat, has PDO, and that is so that is your wool from Shetland Organics and Uridale, I think. Uh, but it doesn't apply to all Shetland wool from Shetland. And perhaps if if there was that, that would help with the appropriation and capitalising on um, Shetland wool and Shetland knitting and terms associated um, with those. Um, I'm not saying that I think it necessarily needs to be protected, but I definitely believe that um, more can be done to be clear about the products, uh, what goes into them and where they have come from. Perhaps if um, Shetland Breed Wool from Shetland had some kind of status like that, um, then it would be harder for people to appropriate. Uh, there's another episode in the appropriation and over-romanticising of Shetland knitwear and Shetland wool. I, I firmly believe that our organisations like Shetland Wool Week are finally beginning to tell the real story of Shetland Wool and Shetland Knitwear and it's a shame uh, when even still people try to um, capitalise on that um, and without, you know, a care really. Um, it's just something to be cashed in on. We're going to get on and talk about how our wool explorers found different Shetland wool yarns a little bit later in the podcast. You can take part in wool exploration uh, anytime you like. You don't have to take part in all of our exploration uh, breeds. All of the chat threads are now open in the Knit British Ravelry group. The next breed that we're going to be looking at is Cheviot and um, we're going to be looking at, looking at that on the March podcast. So you're going to want to get your um, reviews done by the end of February. But that's only the deadline to get on the podcast. You don't have to submit your review um, for the podcast. You can just play along at home, um, swatching with 
um, the breed rules. So Cheviot is next. There is a chat thread over in the British Ravelry group and you can find out more about the other breeds that we're going to be looking at by looking at the show notes at knitbritish.net. Thank you so much for voting me one of the online innovators in the Knit Now Knitter of the Year Awards. I got a fantastic email uh, at the beginning of the year telling me that um, I was one of the podcasters that you had nominated and I am so utterly thrilled you know, the fact is that somebody from that listens to this podcast nominated me for that award and um, you all voted and that's very, very kind of you. And also in Knit Now, I've said it before, they are so supportive of podcasts, blogs, uh, indie knitters and um, uh, yarnies. And it, it's, it was just an honour to be nominated. It really was. That's a cliche thing to say. But thank you so very much. And Part of the prize is that I get to go to West Yorkshire Spinners with all the other winners so you can guarantee that I will be taking my microphone with me or uh, or if I'm not allowed, I will be reporting back um, on that. So thank you so much. It really, really means a lot um, just that you took the time to, to, you know, take that box. So thank you so much. And congratulations to all the winners and the nominees. This is about the halfway point in today's show, so if you need a little break, this is a good time to pause. So, Shetland wool exploration. Now it's time for for what our wool explorers thought. Most of our explorers this time, and we have 13 um, wool exploration entries. Not as many as I thought there might be. I, I think, as somebody said in the Knit British Ravelry group, maybe because so many of us have used Shetland wool um, in the past quite a lot of times, perhaps this particular breed has not been so appealing to look at in exploration form but that being said we still have 13 um, explorers we've got Kate Bread who uh, used Uradale double knit we've got Becky P who was using Jimison and Smith Supreme we've got Miss Goggins who was using Jimison's of Shetland uh, double knit we've got Fair City Knits who was using Jimison and Smith We've got uh, Woolly Mammoth, Emma, who was using Aaron Shetland from World of Wool, which she naturally dyed. We've got Erica Eccles, who's using Full of Wool. We've got JCG Shaston, uh, who is using uh, Blacker Yarns for Ply. We've got Dry Gardening, who's using Jimson and Smith. Uh, we've got Drainold, who handspun uh, lace Shetland uh, from US 
Shetland Fleece and from UK Shetland Fleece. We've got Sin Spins who hand spun some double knit. And we've got me um, who looked at an unlabeled Shetland wool, which I purchased at St. Abbs Wool Fair. And Uridale four ply, which I used held double. My notes are a bit all over the shop with this one. I've got this on two spreadsheets because um, there was a bit of a glitch going on. So I've got two spreadsheets. I've got two sh two screens. Uh, <laughs> so we'll see how we we get on with this. Like I say, uh, there was a good mixture of weights from lace uh, to double knit to Aaron. Uh, and four ply, mostly um, four ply or jumper weight um, was used. So let's kick things off with the hand squish grab. Uh, Kate bred with her uh, Uridale, Uridale DK, which was is a woolen spun, said, This is the sheepiest yarn I've used yet. Very, very greasy, almost tacky. The majority of the fibre is dark with occasional wiry grey hairs. Smells warm and very diff different to uh, Jameson's, my only other Shetland experience. Um, it's very easy to call both Jameson Smith and Jameson's of Shetland Jameson's and I, and I don't know which one Kate Bread's um, referring to so in this episode I'm going to try and stick very clearly to Jameson Smith and Jameson's of Shetland where they are mentioned because you know it's really important they're two different companies and I'm really going to try and give them the right nod um uh, Becky P, she's using Jimison and Smith Supreme Jumper Weight, which is uh, the uh, undyed range, and she's using the Yoglet. And she says, uh, Hands squish grab, strong, sheepy smell, feels plump, bouncy. The yarn is smooth and soft, and as lovely as other Jimison and Smith yarns. Miss Goggins uh, was using Jimison's Of Shetland Double Knit and she says the hand squish grab and initial thoughts on use. Soft, quite bouncy, no sheen, matte, slightly toothy with a very slight prickle when rubbing it on my face. It could be used for sweaters and accessories, though potentially not socks uh, as it's being quite soft and very and not tightly spun. Fair City Knits, Bev was using Jimison and Smith jumper weight and she says in the ball I always find Shetland wool feels soft and squishy with a slight edge and on the cone I always think it feels a bit rougher and that is true and the reason for that is that on the cone you still get a little bit of the spinning oil in there which washes out um, and you still get that bloom but that's why you'll feel the same wool different between the ball and the cone uh, Wooly Mammoth Emma who um, actually um, is trying out a yarn that she's naturally dyeing and will probably be available in her shop right now she, don't go come running back to me if it's not because I haven't checked but I know this is a yarn that Emma is carrying to do her natural dyeing on um, and she said the first observance when I received the yarn that it was quite a bit thinner looking than expected this is a iron weight and it's worsted 
Um, she said, compared to my South Down Adam base, um, it um, is maybe half the width. She said it felt fairly smooth, as you would expect from a worsted spun yarn with a good bit of drape holding it in the skein and a tiny little bit of bite to it. Now, we did have a conversation um back uh, in a in a previous wool exploration about world of wool Aaron waits and one of our intrepid wool explorers um did get in touch with um world of wool about this and there is a really informative post in the knit british ravelry group it was dry gardening and um she had found that the double knit weight of the dorset horn and was smaller in diameter than other double knit weights. And she got in touch with um, World of Wool, and there is a really good explanation about um, their spinning methods uh, over in the Knit British Ravelry group. It's in the general wool exploration thread, but I will pop an explanation um, in the show notes. Erica Eccles was using Full of Wool, four ply and she said pretty firm and bouncy little dumpling ha has a lovely low warm smell with a faint scent of sheepiness it is a beautiful soft ply uh, and such uh, a chocolate brown this um yarn made me feel homesick for a place that i've never been to um in in that it, it evokes fuller for erica eccles uh, she's a little bit tickly but it feels so good and honest to knit with uh, it's not trying to be posh or fancy just what it is uh, it's hearth and heart and home i've yet to meet a yarn that wouldn't make a nice crease or ishbel shawl and i think this would be perfect for either of those or for a warm but not weighty cardigan or jumper uh JCG Shaston, Jane, who I must apologise, I apparently said your um, Ravelry name wrong last time and you've um, very kindly spelled it out for me. So that's that. thank you so much for that. Uh, you're using the blacker four ply and she says sturdy, plump yarn, firm but with bounce, robust but maybe too robust for the, gar uh, the garment that I have in mind. And that being a blacker four ply, I'm not I'm not too surprised because they're always slightly heavier. Um, it's never quite a true four-ply double knit iron. Um, dry gardening. She was using Jimson and Smith jumper weight. Uh, she says a compact 25 gram ball, approximately 115 meters. Um, it's 2 slash 8.4 nm. Two plies, comparable to light fingering. Surface of the yarn has a short, fuzzy finish. Uh, easily squished, bouncing back, feels soft but lively. I um, used two Shetland uh, yarns for this exploration. And the first one was a, a double knit, which um, sadly wasn't labelled. I now, you know, don't shoot me. Um, I got this yarn at St. Abs and I took um, a leaflet from the seller, but unfortunately, I don't know where that leaflet has gone. I um, It is an organic spun. Anybody who is at St. Abs this year, um, if you know what this yarn is, you can give me a shout. I would, be, I would really appreciate it. Uh, it was a natural oatmeal organic 
double knit Shetland and it was from the borders I think I want to say Coldstream and um, it was it's an incredibly airy lofty yarn in the skein almost cloud like not as dense as some woolen spun yarns I have known um, and I bought it um, well I bought um, some skeins for a friend who's having a baby because I thought it was going to be a lovely yarn for a baby um, but yeah I, I just sort of fell in love with how squishy it was and um, so that was the my unknown one now yes okay unknown you know we're not all perfect. I get things wrong from time to time. I know I'm supposed to challenge clear labelling, etc. Um, somebody in the Knit British Ravelry group said something about um, my pronunciations of the Balish, Krasnat and Manx uh, yarn last time and said it's nice that to know that even big name podcasters get it wrong. I'm just, I would just call myself a normal ass getting it wrong from time to time um the other yarn that i used um was uh Uradale four ply which i used doubled um to because i'm knitting these polygon hexagons and that was a warm inviting little cake uh, very sheepy with a lanoliny feel and smell. I bought it from Kathy's Knits for my Busta Beanie, but I ended up using another shade for my main colour, so it's just been sitting in my stash. Um, I use it a hell double, like I said, to make the polygon hexagon. And I just thought it would be, you know, great for colour work. And I really do need to use it in a hat because it's lovely yarn. Um... Drainold one she was Deb she was hand spinning again uh, she did two hand spun lace semi worsted one using Shetland fleece from the US and one using fleece from the UK uh, in her US Shetland lace weight she said the ball is quite soft uh, to squeeze and when felt inside it's semi woolen uh, the variable staple length, variable hand, um, which is dependent on how it's dyed, she finds. And she thinks it would be great for sweaters, hats, haps and mitts. Her UK lace is, she says, uh, th these were natural colours. She said the white was silky and soft. The black was the harshest. The grey fawn hand was in between. The blended shades varied. Some um, had a double coat with soft hairs and some seemed best suited to relatively light fabrics. Uh, bulky yarn doesn't come to mind as the fibre was quite fine and she thinks that that um, was best suited to sweaters, hats and mitts. So interesting um, to see how you felt those different colours spun up. And again, it's so interesting to know um, the softness and grades of different parts of the fleece and different colours of the fleece. Uh, sitting spins uh, 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 spun a worsted double knit. She said it felt softer than expected than the other Shetland tops in her stash. She says dry, it weighs almost nothing. Uh, she spun a two-ply with extra little twist in the plying for stretch and bounce. Observances while swatching. Kate Bread said that her Uradale, she said, it's not the nicest feeling to knit with, possibly why my swatch is a little smaller this time. It sheds a little, 
it's easy to see the cables considering um, she used a darker colour. Becky P with her Jameson and Smith uh, Supreme jumper weight. She says smooth to the hands and lovely to work with. Miss Goggins with her Jameson's of Shetland double knit. She said it's soft and airy with a medium bounce. It's not mega bouncy, but not taut and stringy either. Uh, Fair City Knits with her Jimison and Smith jumper weight. She says, uh, most of my wool comes from cones and some of it's oiled. Centre pool balls always feel slightly coarse, prickly and sticky. It always looks thinner because there's no halo at this stage. It smells yummy. The wool sometimes has to be encouraged from the centre pool ball because it sticks. Uh, Emma, Woolly Mammoth Emma, with her World of Wool Aran Worsted Shetland, says the yarn was pleasant to work with, nice and lofty, full of air and bounce. It had a nice squish whilst knitting, uh, smooth but with a bit of texture. Erica Eccles of her Four Ply Full of Wool said... Uh, There is such a sense of realness with this yarn. It is a simple wool comfort, yet feels rich and warm and velvet. The yarn feels very light whilst knitting. It's dryish, but not crisp. Uh, It feels lovely and warm to handle. A few guard hairs are making an appearance, but they aren't hog hairy or bristly. Uh, Because I know I do make mistakes when knitting, I let half my swatch knit up for a couple of months and then ripped it out. Uh, the yarn um, was a bit kinkified, but those soon shook out, and I was able to knit, uh, re-knit without any noticeable jiggle. JCG Shaston, with her blacker four-ply, said, This is a well-tempered yarn which flew from my needles. No sign of splitting, uh, but not the clearest for stitch definition. Dry Gardening, with her Jameson and Smith jumper weight, said Very comfortable in hand, easily manipulated into the lace pattern and crocheting. Nice stitch definition, even with slightly fuzzy yarn surface. Moderate elasticity, appears strong, no tendency to split. The yarn seems airy and light, clinging to itself nicely, not slippery um, uh, and it is matte and she said she's using an interesting colourway. My unknown organic Shetland, it was um, very quick to work up uh, in the hexagon, in the round. The stitches sort of flew off. I could notice a, a light luster on this yarn. Both the yarns I used actually had a little bit of a luster on them. Um, but it was very, very nice to work with. Uh, no splitting. And um, it, again, I just thought it would be great for like a baby hap or, or a shawl. There was no guard hair, but there were one or two little darker hairs throughout it, which were really interesting. The Uridale, Uridale, Uridale was um, really sticky on the bamboo needles and that just made me think how wonderful it would be for colour work. It did feel lanily uh, to knit up and uh, there's a lot of little fle- lighter flecks 
uh, in the grey yarn. It's a lovely, it's a lovely grey. I'm not, you know, I, I'm assuming it's blended. Again, a little bit of a demi luster. Drain old with her um, US Shetland lace weight said it's a little grabby to unknit. The hand varies from silky to bushy. Uh, it's pretty obedient overall. It didn't split or leap off the needles much. Uh, it didn't want to curl as much as the UK Shetland natural swatch I did, but this was a shorter swatch. Um, of the UK um, Shetland lace weight, she said it behaved well. A little uh, splitting and drop stitches. My sample was Shetland fleece selected for stranded colour work. So we're soft, uh, but not Shetland lace fine. Uh, Since Bins said the swatch has an interesting sort of velvety feel with a little bit of halo. Pleasant knitting experience and the lacy holes opened up very nicely. Did a smaller swatch with a size 7 US and size 6 US needle to get a better idea of stockinette at a firmer gauge. I like the hand of all of them. So now it's time for the wash block wear and my second uh, spreadsheet. <laughs> um, Kate Bread, uh, she uh, washed her cable and lace swatch in uh, from uh, Uradale in hot water, hotter water than usual because of the grease. Uh, the water came out filthy. Uh, used Persil, wool and silk, rinsed cool, dried flat. Uh, was expecting a post-wash bloom to fill out the open gauge more than it did, but the yarn has softened lots and the war uh, and is warm and comfortable to wear all day. Becky P, she uh, soaked her Jameson and Smith um, Shetland Supreme jumper weight uh, in Uslan uh, for 30 minutes and blocked to 17.5 centimetres square. She says the Berlin pattern looks great. Uh, she wore it under her blast strap for the day. The swatch is soft and warm and she says she missed it when it was removed. It's held its shape well. Uh, Miss Goggins with her Jimison's of Shetland uh, double knit. Her first wash, um, she washed in Dodgson Wood wool wash soap in lukewarm water for 10 minutes. Blocked it to 14 centimetres without using pins. It softened slightly, but still with a very slight prickle and crispness. She says, though I like this, I like my wool to feel like wool. Girl after my own heart. Uh, she says, I wore it under my bra strap for the majority of the day. Uh, it went unnoticed and... I meant to take it out when going out for a meal in the evening, but forgot, which is a testament to its softness. Uh, Fair City knits with her Fair Isle swatch in Jimison and Smith jumper weight. She says, first wash was three times 20 minutes in hot soapy water and warm rinse with compliant wool conditioner, then dried flat. Initial notes, I, the swatch was placed under the clothes at left shoulder Instantly feels warmer, no prickly feeling. Um, felt prickly and uncomfortable after a couple of hours, so had to move it to another location, abdomen. Uh, tucked under my bra, hanging down over the top of my leggings, where it was absolutely fine. I forgot it was there. Um, I tucked it into my PJs too, and again, no problem. Did you sleep in it, Bev? Uh, that this is this is going 
further than than usual. I'd be interested to know how it ended, how it felt to sleep with it. Maybe I'm just, you know, maybe I'm overthinking it. But I'd like to know a little bit more about that in a non weird kind of way. Uh, Wooly Mammoth uh, Emma with her World of Wool Aaron worsted Shetland. Um, she was naturally dyeing hers, so she soaked it in lukewarm water for three hours. She came back and looked at it, and the change was so dramatic. She says it has expanded and bloomed widthwise a lot. And then she says in the first true wash of the experiment, once it had dried, it had great bounce and it was really airy and lofty, uh, but very different to how it felt before. She blocked the swatch after soaking uh, it in, in warm water and eucalyptus for three and a half hours to 10 by 10 centimetres. She said it was ever so slightly larger when dry. For the first and second block, she said I was blocking it without board, so my measurements may be um, a bit more or a bit less. She wore the swatch under her bra strap and forgot about it until later in the day when she went to the toilet and it fell in. So that got its next wash quite quickly, I can only presume. <laughs> Erica Eccles with her fully wool four-ply, she said she, she said she, she shook out the swatch once dry and the swatch was softer. The guard hair presents that she'd um, found all seemed to have risen to the surface and were easily teased out. There was plenty of stretch to the fabric. Uh, tucked in under her clothes, there was an initial prickle, but that soon disappeared. Um, she wore it across her chest up to her collarbone. The texture of the pattern is showing up grand. There is proper nubbliness. Oh, that's a fantastic word. Nubbliness. Uh, to the pearl stitches and the seed stitch border and the lace has opened up so nice. Uh, JCG Shaston with her four ply black yarn says uh, 30 minutes soak in soak uh, lightly blocked on a towel to dry slight prickle as first inserted into the waistband but quickly forgotten it quickly becomes a warm friendly presence slightest blurring of the fabric rather than a halo I'm beginning to like this fabric fantastic dry gardening with her Jameson Smith uh, jumper weight. I should say the colorway is uh, 1280. I forgot to mention that. She says two and a half hour soak starting with very warm water rinsing clear. Turned and pushed under the surface a few times to wet it through. Swatch relaxed, easily blocked. Slightly fuzzy surface remains but without too much halo. Very attractive fabric uh, with a matte finish and a great drape exhibiting crisp, strong character despite open work. Block swatch was worn directly against the chest for a day with usual activities. Uh, she was aware of the swatch throughout the day. She wouldn't recommend it for babies or next to the skin generally. Uh, it should be fine as a second layer, including shawls uh, atop another garment. Uh, my first wash block wear of the organic double knit source unknown. Um, I soaked it in Eucalyptus for hours, uh, i.e. I forgot about it, in hand hot water. I rinsed it and pinned it to dry on a towel, um, just pinned out the points of the hexagon. Uh, and once it was 
dry. I unpinned it, but I just left it where it was. I left it unpinned for 24 hours. From point to point, when it was dry, it was just over six inches. And um, it's a beautiful fabric. Again, it's got a beautiful demi luster. The, the garter stitches aren't as popping as they were when it was before it was blocked um i wore it sort of alternating between my neck and my bra strap and my forearm for a day and it was very warm and soothing not prickly but i knew it was there my uridale swatch i washed in hot water with eucelan a lot of lanolin came out so i washed it again and then again <laughs> i soaked it in hot water overnight after the three soapings and pinned it out to just over seven inches point to point and again I let it dry and when it was dry I unpinned it and I left it for a day it's popped back to seven inches um, the swatch was more noticeable at my neck than the organic one the polygon hexagon is thick and squidgy the garter is popping and there is that demi luster and I think both of these that I used again are quite the most lustrous Shetlands I've ever knit with I think. Um, a slight halo on the polygon after wearing it for a day. Drain Old One with her US hand spun Shetland lace weight. Slight halo, slight prickle against the shoulder and chest. Scythes wanted to morph the thicker grist of the hand-dyed colours biased. The bias shortened the height of the rose. It's stretchy though, and when rubbed, the halo increases, uh, but only very slightly, and there was no pilling. With um, her UK Shetland, she said, this these singles are made of varying, slightly varying grists, um, uh, like the US one. So she said... There was some tendency to bias because of the variation in twist. The swatch blocked obediently though. Slight prickle on shoulder and chest uh, when worn, despite feeling silky in the fingers whilst knitting. Slight halo, no pilling, and the washing method was with Eucelan as per the label suggested. Sin spins with a hand-spun double-knit worsted, she said. A warm water soak for about 10 min minutes with dish detergent and a cool rinse she wore the swatch inside her bra for a whole day without a problem she forgot it was even there so no irritation irritation or prickling at all kate bread with her uridale dk she said on the second wash the water was much clean cleaner this time she had the same lanolin um, issue that i had with that same brand uh, she said, uh, the so soft and so lovely has felt it a little and has definitely bloomed as hope. Stitch definition is crisp and distinct. Becky P with her Jimison and Smith Supreme jumper weight. She said she soaked for 30 minutes in Eucelan and then blocked a 16 centimeter square. She wore it on her hip all day and it just needed a gentle smoothing with her hands to ease out the creases. Mrs. Goggins' second wash of the Jimsons of Shetland uh, double-knit uh, polygon, she said, used same washing method as before, uh, which was hand-washed with Dodgson Wood uh, wool wash. 
She said swatch blocked out to 14.5 centimetres without pins, wore it in the waistband of my jeans and then again it went unnoticed and I had a few few near misses during comfort breaks. Uh, gave the polygon a vi- vigorous distressing for approximately three minutes. There was some slight pilling notice but the swatch still looks great. Fair City Knits uh, of her Jimison and Smith Fair Isle swatch. She said, on the second wash, no change and no pilling. It has shrunk very slightly though. And this time she didn't block it with pins. Uh, Wooly Mammoth Emma with her World of Wool Aran Worsted Weight uh, Shetland swatch. She said, the swatch didn't seem to change much on the second test. I wore it on my hip this time. And again, I didn't really notice... Uh, and it didn't expand any more when I blocked than when I blocked it previously. Erica Eccles with her full of wool for ply yarn, she said this time I used hotter water, no soap, and left it for an hour. I just patted the swatch dry and I didn't use pins, so I just guessed the size. The lace pattern kept its memory beautifully. Blocking was less hard uh, than the first time, so perhaps this is its natural size once dry it was 10 inches by 10 inches and um, 7 eighths Uh, there's a slight hazy mist over the stitches and in certain lights the chestnut conquer colour seems more noticeable wore this pinned in my clothes for about a fortnight and slept with it under my pillow (sighs) you are so intrepid Uh, the rising of the guard hairs uh, seems to be stopping any more major pilling that is so interesting jcg shaston with her um blacker four ply she said um in the washing machine set to wool cycle using ecover liquid for wool plus ecover fabric softener lightly hand blocked on a towel to dry the fabric has settled down developed drape and softness which was not apparent when knitting with it you see what washing blocking and wearing can do my friends Dry gardening, she tossed her swatch in with the laundry. Here we go, I love this. Uh, In a top loading machine, usual detergent, 19 minutes agitation hot water wash, two cold water rinses, tumble dried for an hour and a half, no heat. Stitch definition blurred considerably, but holes in the lace are still visible. Surface fuzz is amplified and swatch is distorted. Great full felt possibilities. Post-second wash, the shrinkage is approximately uh, 10% decrease in the width and 27.6% decrease in the length. The same conditions for wear test one, uh, much different results. I was unaware of the swatch for most of the day, no prickliness whatsoever. So for dry gardening, felted, Jameson and Smith, jumper weight, for the win. Thank you so much for that dry gardening. Uh, I did my second wash of the unknown uh, double knit organic Shetland. I agitated it in hot water and gave it a shorter soak than last time. Uh, Once it was dry, I left unpinned again to see if it would shrink back and it did ever so slightly. But I'm a little bit sad that um, it's quite flat now and as it's that that garter is quite flat Uh, indeed it's not as popping as I like my garter to be but having said that I you know I have had this in my pocket and all it takes is a little shake 
um, to get it back into shape and um, it's pretty much kept its block. I wore it on my hip for the day and I forgot all about it uh, but the swatch um, made its presence felt again um, and it left a warm spot when I removed it. Uh, with the second wash for the Uridale four ply held double polygon hexagon um, there was no lanolin exhaust in the second wash it just needed one wash and one rinse I blocked it as before uh, and left it for a day and um, it was much softer to wear at the neck the fabric retained its bounce uh, the stitches popping uh, uh, not like the other one um, there is still that demi luster um, and I really think that I need to try Uridale in a double knit or aran, um for a, for a garment because it's beautiful I love how it, it knitted up with a four ply doubled obviously it made my polygon um, hexagon more sort of an iron weight gauge than a double knit but uh, it's you know seeing these two swatches side by side there is so much plumpness to the Uridale one as I say the organic unknown brand is beautiful absolutely beautiful but um, there's no squish left in it it's quite flat. Drain old one and the second time around her US Shetland swatch still needed blocking because of that biasing but it responded well to blocking and it has the same feel as before in that it was slightly prickly against her shoulder and chest. Uh, with her UK Shetland she said there was not much change, a little more halo, some fuzzing when rubbed. It had relaxed and increased in width and length. You know it's quite funny when we when we do this second wash block and wear and lots of times explorers will say that it hasn't been there hasn't been much change but have then gone on to document that there was a little more halo, halo a little more fuzz uh, it had relaxed or whatever so uh, you know I might encourage you not to say use not much change or say no different as before I mean only say that if it really is no different as before but you know if it has changed in size if it has changed in feel if it has changed in appearance even slightly then it has changed and that's why we do two wash block and wears uh, Sin Spins on her second wash block and wear of her um, Shetland handspun double knit worsted. She said, warm wash, uh, cold rinse, somewhat softer, but no sign of pilling or felting. Halo about the same, lost a bit in length, but it could have been blocked out larger um, due to the stretch in the yarn. Wore the swatch inside my collar with no ill effects. And uh, now let's see if there are any third wash blocking wearers. Uh, yes, Miss Goggins with her Jimison's of Shetland double knit. Third wash, machine washed with a wool jumper and socks on a 30 Celsius wool wash with Mitchell's of Bradford woolly wash. Uh, swatch still measures approximately 14.5 centimetres with no signs of felting. Wore it under my bra strap for the majority of the day and it went unnoticed. Woolly Mammoth Emma for a third wash block and wear. I got my blocking boards uh, in the post so I was able to make a better block. I stretched out the swatch and blocked it for the third time and when it dried it measured 11, point, uh, 11 by 11 centimetres. 
Erica Eccles uh, did third wash block and wear where she soaked it in cold water. She said it looked a little bit like brown seaweed. An unkinder person might have said a dish rag, <laughs> she says. Again, I didn't just, I didn't use pins. I just kept an eye on it to see if it was the same size as the second swatch. There was more of a haze over the stitches and the fabric uh, even has a lighter feeling. Furious rubbing caused a little of the guard hairs um, to catch each other. I kept on rubbing and yes, there was some pilling, but this lifted off really easily and the wool underneath was just fine. The stitch definition in the patterned area was still nice and clear, though not so noticeable in the stocking stitch areas. And dry gardening for her third wash block and wear. So she tossed it in the machine again and in the uh, tumble dryer uh, for one and a half hours. No heat. She says considerable further blooding and obliteration of definition. Lace holes smaller but still visible. More shrinkage, more fuzzing of the surface. Um, she used the same conditions for wear test one and very similar results to wear test two unaware of the presence of the swatch for most of the day and no discomfort against the skin. Drain Old One did a third wash block and wear test. Look at you guys doing the third wash block and wear tests. The optional. I'm very, very, very thankful to you who did third wash block and wear. Sometimes we don't have any. Um, Drain Old uh, says the surface of her US Shetland swatch wanted to texturise itself and the vertical, vertical dimension wanted to shorten. Of her UK one, which she compared to the US Shetland one, she's a little more deeper and overall halo has developed, probably because the hairs have interspersed. As with the US Shetland, no fierce blocking was needed. There was less biasing and not much change in the overall hand. So final thoughts. Uh, Kate Bread, she said of the Uridale double knit. I love this so much. I am planning to use the fingering weight to knit a hap using a combination of the natural and dyed yarns. I would be happy to wear this yarn anywhere. And she also said of uh, Uridale, reasonably priced and a good delivery directly from the sellers. That's brilliant. Becky P. As always, I love Shetland wool. Great for lace and colour work and happy to use it for almost anything. Mittens, hats, shawls, jumpers, blankets. I haven't tried it for socks, but I think I might. Miss Goggins said, it's definitely how I like my wool to be. Quite soft, but with a bit of attitude. I think it's suitable for many uses due to its relative softness, such as sweaters, accessories, including baby knits and blankets. I would maybe hold off uh, for particularly hard-wearing items such as socks and mittens, as I have knitted Feral mittens with shut and four-ply, and they do have a few holes, though this is after a few years of regular wear. Potentially worsted sponge Shetland might be more suitable for hard wearing items. I think you're right. I think you're right. She goes on to say, I love Shetland wool uh, and I'm intending on knitting the Ola yoke at some point this year and can't wait for it to be mine. That's a fantastic pattern by Ella Gordon. Fair City Knit says, I love it. I am often wearing a hat, shawl, tank top, sweater made with Shetland wool. It can suit a variety of applications and can uh, provide a firm or drapey fabric as required. It seems to look good forever. 
I know that many people find it prickly wool, but my skin must be tough as old boots because it doesn't seem to bother me unless it's actually pressed tightly against my skin and bone, like my shoulders. Um, as long as there's a good layer of fat there, she says I'm fine. Woolly mammoth uh, Emma uh, of her naturally dyed world of wool, Aaron which is worsted sponge, she says, this is screaming out for a sweater. Fabric knitted up so lovely, it would be really warm. Yarn has enough structure for a garment. In other weights, it would be great for a shawl, a scarf or a hat. She goes on to say that first wash soak was so dramatic in, in width almost with that bloom. She says she couldn't believe her eyes. Uh, Erica Eccles with the fully yarn, uh, she said, every time I felt a bit of need for wild woolly places I've taken comfort in this yarn and felt quite transported far away. Would I buy this yarn? Well, I already bought some at Shetland Wool Week 2017 and some more months later and that set aside for a hap or a shawl. Time and time again when I read my notes I found the word home and that is this yarn. With every stitch it casts a spell of quiet thoughtful space, comfort and haven. It has truly captured my heart. That's lovely. That's just lovely, Erica Eccles, Lisa Jane. Thank you for your um, exploration. Um, JCG Shaston says, This yarn hides its qualities well, but I now understand why it's widely used and valued. It gradually reveals softness and drape and adapts itself kindly to the wearer. Yes, I, I totally agree with you um, there, Jane. Totally agree with you. Shetland Wool can make yarn that you can invest in for many, many years of wear out of a garment or accessory. I, I, I really do believe that. Dry Gardening thinks that Shetland wool is best suited to lace shawls uh, and generally, obviously, many other knit and crochet applications shown by all the Ravelry products made from this yarn. Um, it was the Jameson and Smith that she was using. She said, for me, second layering would be best unless fooled or felted. Certainly excellent for fooling and felting. Um, uh, she goes on to say that she found the label from Jameson and Smith unclear as to whether the yarn was 100% wool from Shetland, i.e. the location, or the um, the sheep breed. So she got in touch with Jameson and Smith, who responded to the email to clarify that only Shetland breed wool was used in the yarn, and they emailed a link to the relevant blog post, which explains it, and I will put a link to that in the show notes. She says, however, I think using the word breed after Shetland on the label would be helpful to the consumer. I know this yarn is famous and um, used by many people and that many people probably already know this but for new consumers of the yarn that would be helpful thank you so much dry gardening and i'm sure that you pass that on to jimison and smith as well um, but thank you so much for doing that um extra bit of exploration um, me, well, I found the unknown organic double knit to be lush and I really wish I bought more and I really do wish that I'd asked more questions at the time. Yeah, I know, I'm a useless ass. Um, I probably wouldn't make a sweater in the cream, so but I would possibly dye it. Um, it's a really beautiful Shetland yarn and it's much airier than I've ever used before, but it does go flat, so I think that I would use that for baby items and um, shawls that require a lot of block um, uh, and, 
yeah, if anybody knows who was selling organic Shetland double knit yarn at St. Abbs Woolfest in Eyemouth in November, please let me know. Um, the Uridale that I used for ply but knit double, that was beautiful. I'm kicking myself that it took me so long to actually get out and knit it and I'm looking forward to trying another um, in the weight range and they've got such fantastic colour ranges. Um, it is, again, I, as I said, um, organic wool from Shetland has that protected designation status so that's really nice to know that I'm knitting with 100% organic Shetland wool from Shetland. How lovely is that? Well, both my, it's just clicked that both of my my um, swatches were organic perhaps that's where that beautiful luster comes from because there really is a demi glaze on both of those swatches um drain old uh with the shetland wool from the us that she spun was very pleasant to work overall and uh, likely to knit easily and wear well seems to want to be spread horizontally and shortened vertically but that may help with stranded color work her uk shetland was nice and softly it was a nice and softly woolly wool she said it was pleasant to knit with and um thinks it'll be long wearing she said it was hard to blend the white and the black smoothly because of the differences in the various colors fibers and staple so that's really interesting thank you for that deborah um she says the result was heathery sampling with degrees of color blends might be necessary to get the precise color uh, gradations desired the white was very white and the black was very black and there was a rich black brown and since Ben said, I am very fond of Shetland fibre and love its versatility and its many colours. It wouldn't be my choice for underwear, uh, but I wouldn't have a problem with a sweater, scarf, hat, gloves, etc. I am not a lace spinner or knitter, but I can see why lace knitters find this fibre so appealing. Thank you so very much to all of our wool explorers for Shetland to Kate Bread to Becky P to Miss Goggins to Fair City Knits to Willie Mammoth Emma to Erica Eccles to JCG Shaston to Dry Gardening um, to Drain Old One to Sin Spins and thanks to myself uh, <laughs> I wanted to do Shetland Wool because I do think that we maybe take it for granted as a staple um, workhorse great for everything kind of wool and it is um, but it's really nice to hear, um, you know, Jane, who, you know, didn't think she was going to like it. And as as it wore on through her knitting and through her washing and through her wearing, she, it grew on her and to, to becoming something that she, you know, it changed her opinion of, of Shetland wool. And that is why we do wool exploration. I want us to not just pick up a ball of Shetland wool and go, I've used Shetland before, I'm not going to like that. I want us to go, I've not used this Shetland before, I wonder what it's like. Um, really good to um, see a mixture of Jamesons of Shetland, Jameson and Smith, um, Blacker Yarns, Uradale, a mix of organic, a mix of woolen spun and worsted spun. And yes, I mean, again, Shetland wool benefits from both. And I think... Uh, Katie, Miss Goggins is right. Worsted spun socks are probably going to be awesome. And in fact, I tried to dig out um, my heritage worsted spun from Jameson and Smith 
um, to knock up a swatch um, but ran out of time so I might uh, add that because um, the worsted spun range from Jameson and Smith is fantastic and it's a very different yarn like I mentioned earlier the difference between my woolen spun hat and my worsted spun hat from Jameson and Smith wool it's it's so different so again a versatile yarn uh, I I think that um, you know we've we've talked a bit about about how it as well as versatile it can be variable and I think that's shown in um, Deb and uh, how she's looked at the hand sorted through the different colors and find different finenesses and how some of the yarns had those medulated fibers those heterotype fibers that um, vary perhaps in in width that vary in softness we've had some incredibly soft Shetland wool in this as well so yeah Shetland when we talk about how unique wool is and how unique breed wool is Shetland is a really good example of just how variable it can be but just how incredible and versatile it can be and how there's you know a Shetland wool probably for everybody um you know you might remember a few a good few episodes ago I reviewed the Croft yarn which is Aran Yarn, Shetland Wool through the Real Shetland Company, aka Jimson and Smith, spun by West Yorkshire Spinners into an Aran weight. Uh, what I didn't know then, I know now to be it was superwash, because you might remember, I kind of said I didn't want to like it. it. There was something about, but I did like it, but there was something that was a bit squeaky about it. That was the, that superwash. Um, nobody has... Um, reviewed it for the for the wool exploration but I had a chat with um Ella Gordon when I was in Shetland and we were both talking about how it's got that when you wash it and block it it feels like how Shetland wool feels it it goes the same way in the water and it softens up and it has a bloom but it has what I said was an acrylic squeak with it when it's dry and when you knit with it um but I think what Superwash Shetland, I'm not just going to say the Croft, but Superwash Shetland wool um, is a really good in for those of us who might think that Shetland wool is a bit rough and a bit prickly because that really, you know, was quite soft indeed. For those who like that sort of thing, that is the sort of thing they like. But I prefer my wool not to have gone through that chemical process. But again, it is another example of how a wool reacts differently through a different preparation and a different process. It'd be really interesting to know if any of our um, wool reviewers or any of you out there who have tried Shetland wool in the past and haven't just been so fond of it, if you've tried Shetland wool that has gone through that process, is it is it better for you? Can you wear it against your skin? What do you think of it? That kind of veered off into a superwash versus non-superwash Shetland wool thing. That's not how I wanted that to go. You can tell that I have got two spreadsheets open on two screens and no handwritten notes. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I want to thank everybody again for taking the time to do not just two, but some of you did three wash block and wears. Again, so important to your exploration. And um, I look forward to finding out what you think about Cheviot. 
achieve it will be our next wool exploration, which we will be looking at your reviews in the March podcast. I might talk a little bit about Cheviot Sheep and Cheviot Wool in the next podcast, but um, your deadline for getting your Cheviot reviews in the Google form, which is linked in the show notes and is linked in the Knit British Ravelry group, is the 28th of February. Uh, this year we're aiming to look at Cheviot, Castle Milk, Murat, Wensleydale, Norfolk Horn, the Welsh Mountain Breed Group. So if any of those take your fancy, pop on over to the Knit British Ravelry Group, find the discussion thread and um, get casting on. There is absolutely nothing to stop you from casting on any of those breed yarns now. Well, that's probably quite enough for one episode. In February, I want to talk a bit about um, being an advocate for wool and bring you my talk that I delivered at the Uist Wool Conference um, back in September. So if you have ideas on how we can be advocates for wool and not just wool, but for yarnies and the knitting community in general, and generally how we can be more supportive of wool and small wool businesses. So if you have any thoughts on that, uh, uh, anything that you think, you know, topics of conversation that should be included, please comment in the Knit British Ravelry group in the show notes um, post for this episode. Um, I, I really would value your input and your suggestions. And yeah, of course, then that takes us into March and Edinburgh Yarn Fest. And it's really hard to think past Edinburgh Yarn Fest because it's massive. Um, so I haven't done this for ages, but let's say hello to the new kids in the Knit British Ravelry group. Uh, Peace Crafter. Hello to you, Peace Crafter. Welcome to the Knit British Ravelry group. Hello to Sandy Beth. Uh, you are in Shropshire uh, and welcome into the Knit British Ravelry group. Hello to Katie Greenbean, uh, who is the fantastic uh, Katie Green, um, who uh, I have already mentioned uh, on this podcast, but she has a wonderful podcast on YouTube under Katie Greenbean. Uh, Mad Cat Woman, hello to you. You're Mary and you're from Bristol. Hi to Jeff Budge. Jeanette in Shetland. Hi, Jeanette. Good to see you in the Knit British Ravelry group. Um, hello to Crossroads Demon. You are in Bognor. Hi, Crossroads Demon. Um, and welcome to all new users uh, to the Knit British Ravelry group. And users, members, users. <laughs> I always have this problem at work in the library and archive where I work because we go from saying customers to users to readers, members, um, friends of all varieties, as Duff the Psych on the Hardcore Self-Help podcast says, welcome all friends of all varieties in the Knit British group and wherever you are, thank you for listening. Thank you for taking part in the podcast. Um, I really would encourage you to um, visit the show notes at www.knitbritish.net slash ep hyphen 113 and um, visit some of the links um, that I've mentioned today. Until next time, take very good care. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Knit British podcast. To find out more, visit www.knitbritish.net.
I'm on Instagram as at underscore knit British and I'm on Ravelry as Lyra. Why not join us in the Knit British Ravelry group too? Take care of that throat. You're a big singing star now, remember? This California dude is just a little heavier than usual tonight. Really? From where I stand, the sun is shining all over the place.